0: This is The Guardian.
1: Today, why is California dismantling its death row?
0: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard.
1: Before we start, I want to let you know that in this episode, there is a description of an execution. So please take care when you're listening.
2: This is Global Tell Link. You have a prepaid call from the Jarvis Masters, an inmate at the California State Prison, San Quentin, to accept this call. Say or dial five now.
3: San Quentin is the oldest prison in California. It was first built in 1852. It's just north of San Francisco, and it's basically on the edge of a beach.
1: Sam Levin's a correspondent for The Guardian US, and he's spent the past few months talking to five people who were in prison on a death sentence.
3: When you enter, it's this really intense prison complex where there are more than 4,000 people who are locked up in these very, very overcrowded facilities, these very sort of cinematic, traditional-looking cells.
2: In death row, your cell is about 4 to 4 and a half feet wide, 8 feet high, and 9 to 13 feet deep. And, you know, you're not moving for hours in a day. Like, you only got 3 hours to move around unless you just walk it back and forth in that tiny hill.
1: Though hundreds of people in San Quentin are condemned to death, there hasn't been an execution in California for nearly 20 years.
2: You're just stuck in one spot for years and years and decades. So it's just a lack of contact with people on the outside.
1: For people on death row, living in this state of limbo is distressing. This place is built nothing but destroying your willpower. Once they do that, they have you, and your body. You're basically brain dead. Now, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has pledged to end the use of the death penalty in the state. It's not
4: the question of the death penalty of whether or not people deserve to die for their heinous acts. The question really is, do we have the right to kill? Four years ago,
1: Newsom signed an official moratorium on all executions. And since then, he's started the process of dismantling San Quentin's death row, transferring its inmates out and transforming the prison into a so-called Norwegian-style rehabilitation center.
4: We want to be the preeminent, restorative justice facility in the world. That's the goal. San Quentin is iconic. San Quentin is known worldwide. If San Quentin can do it, it can be done anywhere else. —
1: Human rights advocates are celebrating Newsom's plans. But for the victims of those condemned to death and the people who love them, this is not going to be the form of justice they were promised. For him to be able to leave death row and go into a cushier prison is terrifying because he is the worst of the worst. He is a monster. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus. The men leaving the biggest death row in the United States. Some Over the past few months, you've been speaking to people who were in San Quentin on death row, and I know you've actually been inside the prison. What's it like to visit?
3: Yeah, it was really intense and like nothing I've ever experienced before in terms of reporting inside a prison. I went to East Block, which is one section of the prison complex which houses the death row of San Quentin. And it has just very intense security and some of the harshest conditions you could possibly have in an American prison. There are basically five floors of individual cells that are stacked up on each other. These skinny rooms that have a toilet, a sink, a steel frame bed, and that's basically it. They never walk anywhere in the prison without shackles, and they just basically stay in their their little cells for as much as 23 hours of the day. Seven days a week. Some of them will have brief yard time, but it's isolated. And yeah, there's just very, very little human contact. You know, one of the people on Death Row I talked to talked about just how his cell felt so small, but over time it started to feel larger. And he said his mind just sort of tricked him into thinking it was bigger. I just think we can't begin to understand the impact on your brain to be in a tiny cell for most of the day, every single day, for years on end.
1: There are more than 500 people in San Quentin who are on death row, but nobody's been executed in California since 2006. Why is that?
3: So the death penalty has existed in the state since basically California was founded, and you had 500 or so people who were executed by California up until 1972 when the state Supreme Court overruled the death sentence and said it was cruel and unusual punishment and it degrades and dehumanizes all who participate. And so the Supreme Court basically struck it down. But right after that, voters enshrined the death penalty into the state constitution. And so since the 70s, you've had more than a thousand people who have been sentenced to death, but only 13 have been executed. And the reason for that is people who are sentenced to death have a right to appeal and those appeals process they take decades you know the average appeal is now more than 30 years and what that means is that you have people who are stuck in this limbo where they are living under a sentence of death but they are not being executed and they are fighting their cases
1: gosh yeah it's it's really difficult to contemplate what that would do to your brain, you know, constantly not knowing whether this sentence that you've been given is ever actually going to be carried out. What sorts of crimes are people in there for?
3: So on paper, the death penalty in California is reserved for sort of the most serious, uh, most heinous crimes. Often they involve multiple homicides, sexual violence, very serious crimes. However, We've seen that the death penalty is not applied equally. There are significant racial disparities and many problems in how the death penalty is applied to different populations. More than one-third of the people who are on death row are Black, whereas California's Black population is only 6.5%. And so it's just extreme disparities in who lives under the worst conditions.
1: California is, of course, not the only U.S. state that still has the death penalty on its books. How many states in the U.S. have have still got it?
3: So there are 27 states total in the U.S. that still have capital punishment, still have the death penalty. And there are a few other states like California that have moratoriums in place, you know, a, a pause on executions. You do have governors who've attempted to use their power as much as possible to stop executions even if they don't have the power to remove the death penalty from the laws of their states and so you know you have fewer executions happening across the country but then you have other states that are continuing to execute people at a rapid pace
1: what methods are actually used to kill people
3: This is part of the complications of the death penalty and why there have been so many legal challenges because of the methods that are used and the challenges that have been brought about these methods being cruel. And so the most common method that is used these days is lethal injection. But there's been these horrendous cases of of people who have been in the process of being executed, and it doesn't work.
0: In 2014, less than 10 minutes into his execution, Arizona death row inmate Joseph Wood was still gasping for air. Typically, an inmate would be deceased five minutes in, so when Wood did not die, he was injected 15 more times. Nearly two hours later, he was pronounced dead.
3: You know, there are obviously laws and protections against cruel and unusual punishment And so that is one way that people have fought against this punishment and that it's cruel and we don't have humane methods to execute people.
1: It's also got to be incredibly expensive to keep people on death row. You know, having people in individual cells instead of sharing them and going through this legal process to challenge their cases, as you say, sometimes for decades, it must be costing the state an awful lot of money.
3: California has spent $4 billion on the death penalty in the last several decades. You know, this is taxpayer money that is going towards the death penalty, and obviously no one is being executed. And I think it's worth noting that when you have people who are stuck under the sentence for decades, you have and very aging population on death row you know one of the people i interviewed on death row said that the actual death row facilities kind of looks like a parking lot for wheelchairs these days there's just wheelchair after wheelchair after wheelchair sitting outside of people's cells because you have such elderly people who are living in these conditions just the cost of taking care of people who are elderly It's hugely expensive, and this is one of the central criticisms of people who are opposing the death penalty and want to see it abolished.
1: And it's the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who's decided that San Quentin's death row should be closed. What reasons has he given for that?
3: So since Governor Gavin Newsom took office in 2019, he's made very clear that he has a strong moral objection to the death penalty as a form of punishment and to the idea of the state executing people. Is there
4: no murder brutal enough or heinous enough for you to reconsider Ted Bundy's? I've literally read over 200 of the cases. it will turn your stomach, make you sick. That human beings are capable of such vile violence, such heinous acts. And there's no sympathy. I have no empathy for those that are guilty. I really don't. At the same time, I cannot support premeditated state-sponsored murder.
3: And Newsom has made very clear that one of his moral objections to the death penalty is the potential of human error leading to the loss of life by the hands of the state. I can't square this fundamental
4: fact uh, that we have people on death row today that are innocent. And if you think that's hyperbolic, I hope you will consider that we had someone who served 26 years on death row uh, that was exonerated, uh, that was innocent.
3: He has made very clear that he will not oversee any execution of any individual while he is governor. And to do that, he first put in place a moratorium on executing people, which essentially used his powers as governor to stop all executions. And now moving forward, he's actually recently announced this plan to sort of transform San Quentin prison into a more rehabilitative facility, as he's described it, and to actually shutter the death row, which has been in place for, you know, a very, very long time.
1: So what he's proposing is transforming the prison into a Norwegian-style prison, where rather than focusing on punishing people, it'll be about rehabilitating them. That's going to involve massive changes. You know, punishment is at the core of the US prison system. How's he actually going to make that work?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of unanswered questions about how this will work, and Norway is has a completely different model of criminal justice. You know, there are no life sentences in Norway. No one is sentenced to to die in prison. Behind me
4: is what's regarded as the world's most humane maximum security prison. Not a single coil of razor wire in sight. And yet no prisoner has ever tried to escape.
3: You know, they have much more freedoms of movement inside the facility. They have staff who are trained in social work and... You know, incarcerated people just have a lot more privileges. You know, the ability to to cook their own food, and they can have private family visits. Sometimes they have unlocked doors.
4: We want them to have a normal life. We punish them by taking away their freedom, but we don't take away their life.
3: But the reality is, is that San Quentin is a facility that you know was built in the 1800s and is set up with these rows and rows of cages that are designed to warehouse people and so it's unclear sort of how he will physically transform the space to be a model facility when currently it is still set up in such a way that is so so focused on on punishment and on confining people and controlling them how do you think Americans will react when they see this prison? They're going to think we're crazy in Norway. Why? You guys have another view on prison. You're, like, really punishing these people. It's like they're animals.
1: And it would also require a complete mental shift for the prison guards who've been working in a system that is so focused on punishment.
3: Absolutely. And, I mean, San Quentin, it's worth saying, is already considered a more sort of progressive prison than other facilities. It's located near San Francisco, and so it does have a lot more programming than than other prisons. It has a sort of famous podcast that is recorded inside the prison by incarcerated people.
0: Okay, so Ear Hustle is prison slang for eavesdropping, and we want this podcast to be your ears into what life is like for millions of Americans currently serving time.
3: Two million. But
0: Erlan, the story we're gonna hear today-
3: it has arts the- programs, the- people can take classes, there's been theater programs inside San Quentin. But at the same time, it's still these sort of really, really harsh living conditions. Those programs only serve a small sort of percent of of the folks who are there. And the guards ultimately are trained in treating people like, quote unquote, inmates and, and treating them in this sort of dehumanizing way. And so what Newsom is describing and promising would certainly require a massive cultural shift. And it's unclear how he will do that, and it seems like it will be a very, very challenging process.
1: For the victims and the families of victims who've been devastated by the crimes that these death row prisoners have been convicted of – They've been promised one form of punishment, and that's not what they're going to get. Did Newsom and his team consult victims before he announced this change?
3: So Newsom has said that he's worked with victims groups and survivors groups as part of this process. And there is a growing movement in California and across the country of victims, groups and survivors who do support abolishing the death penalty. And so You've had many examples of of people whose lost loved ones to horrific crimes and the suspects were sentenced to death who have argued that they don't actually want to see the death penalty used because they don't want more killing and violence in the name of their loved ones.
4: Any eye for an eye just sinks us to his level. So we want to make a statement saying, we're not at your level. We're better.
3: That being said, there are certainly victims' rights groups that do operate in a more traditional way and victims' families who have come out in strong opposition to this.
1: This is horrible. He blindsided us. We weren't invited to the table on this. He does not have a heart for victims. And he says he won't be able to sleep at night if there's an execution. Guess what? Every night since our children were killed, we haven't slept at night. How popular is the death penalty among people in California?
3: California has had some interesting ups and downs in terms of how voters have interacted with the death penalty. And there's been many votes where California residents have signaled that they are in favor of criminal justice reforms and, you know, against policies like the death penalty. But at the same time, in 2016, voters approved a measure to actually speed up the death penalty.
0: Supporters of Prop 66 are looking to cut costs for the state and put more money back in your pocket, not by eliminating the death penalty, but by not allowing criminals to sit on death row for 20 to 30 years at the taxpayer's expense.
1: So Newsom's actually going against the wishes of a lot of voters.
3: Potentially, although there is polling that also shows that more voters in California support abolishing the death penalty than support keeping it in place. And so there are definitely like many voters in California and across the country who have continued to support the, the death penalty and Newsom's moves go against that. But there are also many, many voters who are against the death penalty and want to see it gone.
1: Sam, let's talk about the people who are going to be moved. Where are they going to get transferred to?
3: So under Newsom's plan, everyone who currently is sentenced to death will transfer to other prisons throughout the system, which has, you know, dozens of prisons. And Newsom says that, you know, each person will be placed on an individual basis based on sort of security needs and and other issues. And so it's possible some of them will end up in very intense, solitary, like similar conditions to what they've been living in for decades. But for others, they might end up in a very general population situation, you know where they are potentially living in bunk beds with other people or or having a roommate or a cellmate and having much more freedoms of movement than they've had while living on death row
1: and you've been speaking to five of these people, Keith Doolin, Ramon Rogers, Tracy Kane, Jarvis Masters, and Carell Thomas. How are they feeling about this change?
3: I think universally they all feel anxious, you know, and I think that is only natural. Imagine you've been living in the exact same environment and circumstances for 20, 30, 40 years. You know, the idea of this this change um, and uncertainty is just pretty scary to people, I think. I've been here for so long, and to be forced to
2: pick up and, and possibly be moved to another prison... It adds another 10,000 pounds of weight on your shoulders because what happens if there is no prisons up North and I'm forced to move down South? You know, I, I would be twice as the distance or more away from my family as
1: well as my lawyers because both my lawyers are located in San Francisco. Yeah, it's interesting. I was listening to um, a podcast called Death Row Diaries that's co-hosted by somebody who's on Death Row in San Quentin. I don't know if you've heard it. And he was speaking about the decision from Newsom and he was saying, well, actually, it will come with several disadvantages for us because, as you mentioned, we'll have to share cells for the first time and we won't have access to, you know, such extensive legal help either.
3: Yeah, and I think that's a concern I've heard across the board and from the attorneys who represent people on death row is just sort of what it will mean for their legal cases. At the same time, you know, there are people who are also hopeful about it, people who do want to see change, want to be treated better, want to have a better day-to-day life. And so there is some hope, too.
2: To be able to walk around without being handcuffed all the time, that would be extremely beneficial.
3: And I think beyond those physical restrictions, people will have, in theory, more opportunities to participate in classes and to participate in groups, group therapy, you know, to to interact with other people. And so there's obviously a lot of fear about the sort of human interaction having been deprived of human interaction for so long. But at the same time, you know, there are people who are looking forward to that and who understand that there could be some benefits to having that human contact that they've been unable to have for so many years.
1: Some of the people you've been speaking to have moved already. What's that been like for them?
3: So I spoke to some people who have actually already transferred off of death row. Um, So there was a pilot program that started in 2020 that allowed people to voluntarily leave death row who wanted to and who were approved to do so. And they talked about having all of these novel experiences that they hadn't had in decades.
2: We have night yard now. So at uh, 7 o'clock in the evening, we get released... To go out to the yard for, uh, nighttime. And, you know, for 20, 30 years, a lot of us guys haven't seen the moon, haven't seen the stars, uh, being out in the cool, crisp night air. Uh, that's something that Death never gets to experience. We had a stopover in, uh, Corcoran. And, uh, as we got off the bus, they escorted us over to a building that we were going to spend the night. And we all kind of stopped at the same time and uh, were enjoying the softness and the smell of the grass that we were walking across. (laughs) And the cop goes, what are you guys doing? And one of the other guys goes, we haven't even seen grass for 20 or 30 years. And then the officer goes, hey, there's some better grass over there. (laughs) We get to walk into this lush, plush grass and it's just, That was just
3: something really amazing. If you talk to the folks who have already transferred, you'll hear about how it's almost a sensory overload, just being around a lot of other people at once, seeing them move. You know, one of the people I talked to said his head was just sort of constantly swiveling as he was sitting in the yard, just sort of watching people's movements.
2: You have this huge expanse of yard and track and this giant area, It was just a huge change for me. And I just uh, took took a minute to get used to all that freedom.
3: One of the things that I heard that has really stuck with me throughout the reporting process is that some of the people on death row are so accustomed to having their hands shackled that once they leave death row, they continue to have their hands in that position. And I heard that there was one person who was walking around the prison with his hands behind his back and the guards had to keep reminding him Hey, you know, you don't have handcuffs on, you don't need to do that. But he was just so used to his hands being in that physical position. His body's been conditioned, his mind has been conditioned that way after decades.
2: When we would come out to the yard, we would all of us would meet up, huddle up in the front of the building, and we would talk. And then one of the guys would say, So, what do you think about it so far? And then the other guy would be like, I'll take it you know, this is way better than death row. And then we all agree, you know, yeah, this is better than death row. And it's gotten better from there.
1: Do we know yet what this will actually mean for their sentences? Are they still going to be on death sentences?
3: Yeah. So the people who are being transferred will continue to have their same sentences. the The physical transfer process does not affect their sentences in any way. And so everyone who is moving off of death row will still be sentenced to death. And so You know, one of the guys described it to me by saying, it's like death row is everywhere now. You know, it's like death row, the physical place might be gone, but you're spreading death row across all these different prisons.
2: There's no place on this earth that I don't believe I would not feel I'm on death row and innocent. There's not a place where you can't put me that would make me forget about being on death row.
1: Coming up, will the United States ever completely eradicate the death penalty?
4: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST.
0: Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash today in focus today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, slash today in focus.
1: Some Most democracies around the world abolished capital punishment a long time ago. I mean, in the UK, that happened in 1969, although we should say, and I guess the US example demonstrates this, that a change in the law is not necessarily permanent. Why do you think the death penalty is still approved of by more than half of the US population?
3: The U.S. is an outlier in criminal justice and mass incarceration in so many different ways. You know, the U.S. is really addicted to harsh punishments and massive prisons as a solution to many, many problems. You know, we have the highest reported incarceration rate in the world. And so it's not surprising that we continue to have on the books the sort of harshest punishment you could have just given sort of the context of our country and people's ongoing support for these sort of quote unquote tough on crime concepts
1: so joe biden's the first us president to ever come out and clearly say i'm against the death penalty but is he making any moves towards abolishing it
3: there's limited power that the president has to actually abolish a death penalty which would require federal legislation and we're at a point in our country where we're not really passing many new laws. But there are certainly groups who are pushing for the abolition of the death penalty who have been disappointed by him, not taking a sort of more aggressive stance. I think one thing very concrete that he could do is commute the sentences of of everyone who is sentenced to death. He could actually change their sentences to to something less than the death sentence, probably life without parole, meaning someone sentenced to to live the rest of their life in prison. But if he were to commute people's sentences, that would include, you know, commuting the sentences of people convicted of mass shootings, of terrorist acts, of really the most serious crimes one could commit. And it's likely that he sees that as a political liability, something that, you know, he doesn't want to do, especially as he's starting to do his campaign for re-election.
1: Sam, how soon do you think we'll be able to tell if abolishing death row is the right decision for both the prisoners and for the people who were the victims of their crimes?
3: I think it's going to be a very long process for people to even just get moved. And I think trying to look at how that plays out and you know whether that's successful will be complicated and challenging. I think you'll have individuals who can talk about their own experiences and the benefits of being moved. And then I think you'll have victims' families who will come out and have concerns about it. You will have victims' families who might support it. You know, I think it will be a difficult thing to measure the impact of it. But I think that, you know, it fits into this broader context of how the governor is trying to transform the system. And I think, yeah, a lot remains to be seen. I've been on this personal journey
2: of real repentance and redemption and I'm trying you know my best to do right by everyone to where I can be deemed worthy to be back out in society again. Some people may think that I deserve a second chance and some people may think I don't you know but hopefully somewhere down the line those people uh, might deem me worthy of a second chance like they like they do in other countries.
1: That was Sam Levin. You can read his report on this at theguardian.com. It's called The Last Days of Death Row in California. Thanks also to Keith Doolan, Ramon Rogers, Tracy Kane, Jarvis Masters and Carell Thomas, who you heard from in this episode, which was produced by Eli Block and sound designed by Solomon King. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. We'll be back tomorrow.